Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Activist Wayne Winston, now on Southern Connecticut's News and Information Leader, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. I couldn't get the Washington Post article, but I did get the one about the New York Post speaking of education, which I think is a really interesting conversation because the data is in. Where the hell is it? It didn't get printed out here. Let me find it. It's really good because they're saying that it's racist to cut down on charter schools. And welcome back to the show. Wayne Winston is with us now. Hey, Wayne, how are you today? Well, good morning, Lisa. Rolling in the afternoon soon. All right, good. Uh, Don't forget, Wayne, before we forget, let's talk about Sunday because I'm going to forget and run out of time and I don't want to. I'm going to be there from one to three. It's a big deal. It is the Black History Museum that's in Fairfield County in Stratford. Uh, Your guy, Jeffrey Fletcher, started it with a bunch of other people, a very prestigious board of directors. And they're having an event open to the public between 1 and 3 on Sunday. That's February 26th? Yes. Okay. What is it? Okay. um, It will actually be held at the Sterling House Community Center, which is right across the street from it. Oh, it's across the street from the Because it's a bigger facility. Thank you for telling me that. Okay. So... um, from one to three, we have. But I the, want to go to the museum. So what do I do? Oh well, we can certainly sort that out because okay. the museum's across the street. Okay, good. We got you on that. Okay, got. It. Okay. So um, we have for our Black History Month guest a gentleman named Ezeal Blair Jr. Okay. It, he is one of the original, and as far as we know, the last remaining survivor of the sit-in for Woolworth, the lunch counter. What was that, 64, 61? Was something that? like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And he's... He, and was that apparently he's Alabama, Georgia? Where that was, was Mississippi. That? Mississippi. Yes, yes. Uh, and you can see him, apparently, he's one of the guys in the photo. And this was one of the earliest peaceful, nonviolent demonstrations against the segregation down south, correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, now, um, was, was John Lewis leading that? Were some of the more prominent civil rights leaders there? No, as a matter of fact. This was a, a group of students yeah. who decided they were going to stage their own sit-in. Now, there's a lot of... Now, let's talk about what what were they sitting in on, Wayne? Well, you know, at that point, it was illegal for any black person to get served in the state of Mississippi. 
you know, at a regular counter, lunch counter. And this was Woolworths, okay? So it was a big deal when they sat down. Were there black Woolworths? Like, where did black people go? Well, there was only one Woolworths, you know, from that standpoint. I'm just, I really want to know. Like, so if you were black in Mississippi and you wanted to go, did you have to go to a black store? Like, where did you go to get your stuff? Well, at that point, there were places that welcomed you, or you could come in the back, or they would give you what you needed out the back door, but you were not going to sit in that front counter. Um, some places banned black people completely. I mean, we could go as far as like sundown towns that were happening, excuse me, yeah, sundown towns that were happening down in Mississippi. Um, Where if you weren't home well. by sundown, you were if in trouble, you, were, you mean? If you were not out of a part of town, anything could happen to you after that. That even happened up in the Detroit uh, area. My uncle uh, shares that story uh, when he worked for Gen- You know, um, when I was General talking Motors. with Maya Moore Irons and her husband, Jonathan Irons, mm-hmm. that's how he got into trouble in Missouri. He said he was in a part of a town after sundown that he knew it was dangerous for him to be in. Oh, yes. And how crazy is that? And along that, you have this movie called The Green Book. Yeah, I saw that movie. You know, and what's The Green Book about? When black people travel down south... 50s into the 60s, they had to find places to live that were safe. Because if you were from the north or uh, even from the south, there were places you were just not safe. You may come in there and never come out. And it's absurd we had to have our own places along the road that weren't necessarily the nicest, um, but you wanted your family to be safe. You'd be out of town, you'd want to shower, just have a hotel, and you just couldn't do it. So this is in the midst of that, these students, because young people are always the catalyst of change. They're fearless. And they decided to do this sit-in. And um, they were sworn at, and they were beaten, and they had things thrown at them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Were they arrested? Um, Yes, I believe they were. And And so this gentleman, how old is this gentleman then? uh, You know, I am not sure of his age. I know that he's in his, I believe... Uh, late 70s. Okay, so he was a kid then. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was, he was a college student. And he's with it, and he's going to be telling his story right here in Stratford on Sunday? In Stratford on Sunday. That's so. very exciting. And it's free. It's open to the public. It's from 1 to 3. I'll be there. And that's it. And um, we want everybody to come out. Um, you know, we have Black History Month, but it's, it's, it's American history. And, of course it is. And the only reason we have to label it that way is because purposely so many things were left out about contributions beyond the civil rights inventions and all this other kind of stuff. So please come out on Sunday. I'll be there. In fact, I'm on the board of the museum, and it'll be awesome people get a chance oh, to I can't actually wait. see you, uh, Lisa. Let's go to Evan from Milford. Evan, you have a comment about the museum? Hi. Yeah, I, I have been there. A couple. I went there last year when it first opened. Oh, oh you yeah. did? Not across. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. Are but you going to be there? It's not across from the Sterling Center. It's around the corner. Okay. The street goes from Main Street. Don't get me lost, Wayne. Go ahead. <laughs> you, tell me where to go. <laughs> it, it goes from it's from Main Street over to Ferry Boulevard. It's about maybe a thousand feet down on the left hand side. So that means I have to park in two places, or can I easily walk? That's what I'm asking. Oh, it's an easy walk. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good. All Definitely right. Park at the Sterling Center and just you can walk around the corner. Okay. That's a pretty cool event, though, it's on next, Sunday, Evan. It's next to a, it's down the street from the old, an old bank. Very cool. Are you going to come? Are you going to show up on Sunday? What do you think? Uh, I depends on what my family has uh, volunteered me for. This is always <laughs> true. This is always true. Well, I'm going to make them my too. business. Bring them too. 
I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, because this is kind of contemporary history. I mean, if we hear this out of the first-person account of people who say it, um, you know, it's sort of like hearing Holocaust survivors talk about the Holocaust. You can't deny somebody's history when it's their history, you know? I mean, it's their history. And people want oh, yeah, to no. whitewash history. They want to pretend it didn't happen. So we have an obligation to listen to these stories. We have an obligation. But the gentleman that uh, the guy, well, when I went around, the um, the founder, big tall guy. Yeah, Jeff he, Fletcher. Um, Jeffrey yeah. Fletcher, yes. Amazing, amazing he, he was phenomenal, you know. But he was very inter- it was very interesting. Okay. For such a small three or four or five rooms, I think it is, if I remember right. Mm. But, but it had a lot of, you know, it, it find, you find that um, everything is not as on TV. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to make, it made an impact on you. You remember it. It was, yeah, like I said, it was very interesting. I'm quite glad I went. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. Wayne Winston with us in studio, 203-333-9422. And now, a different perspective. Lisa Wexler talks with activist Wayne Winston. Now, on Southern Connecticut's news and information leader, WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Hey, Wayne, the New York Post published a very interesting article today. And this is focusing on New York charter schools, but there's a lot in Connecticut, too, showing that black children who were attending charter schools did so much better testing in reading and math where it counted. Uh, In terms of proficiencies, um, 46% on level three were testing proficient in various subjects versus only 21 in public schools. And uh, let me just see here. Let me just see here on level three in charters. From one year to the next, it says uh, New York currently has 275 charters, vastly more than in any other area of the state. And people are upset because one of Hochul's proposals as a governor is to defund or at least lessen the funding of a lot of charter schools. And some black people in New York are saying that that in and of itself is racist because it is not helping the growth of achievement of black students because when they attend charter schools, they do much better. Well, I think um, to uh, and and actually, unless I read it wrong, I believe that Hochul was in support of more money going to charter schools because of the... Oh, pardon me. You're right. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure. I'm sorry. Uh, You're right. Um, I'm sorry. You're right. She's in support of it. The teachers' unions are upset about it. Yes. That's what it is. You're correct, Wayne. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. That's okay. That's right. The teachers' unions are not happy with this. Because what happens is, even in the state of Connecticut, whether it's Hartford, Bridgeport, we have this this process that we get money that comes into our schools. Charter schools get a significant amount of additional funding. And so general public schools are always, um, unfortunately, on the other side of that, you know, they're both publicly funded, but they have additional things that they qualify for. So when you've got a small pool of money, it turns into, well, you're going to... We're fighting over it. Yeah, we're yeah. going to fund this group over here yeah. that has uh, already these, these yeah. benefits that they're getting by the state and whatever else. But the problem is when the unions defend outcomes yes. that are less than optimal, they lose a lot of public support. Agreed. And then on the other side, they will say, but we have to accept everybody. Charter schools have their own standards of how they're going to accept people. So it's not fair because you're already self-selecting among... Active parents mm-hmm. and committed PTAs and 
you know, children that meet certain criteria, whatever they are. And that is an actual, absolute fact. And the majority of students will be going to regular school, not public school. So the trick is to try to fund both meaningfully um, and it's been elusive at best. The trick is to try and find out why some charter schools do so much better. And I know why. You know why? I'm all ears. I'll tell you why. Because when you're in a smaller institution, a lot of the time they make you feel more important. Yes. And when you as an individual child feel more important, whether it's because you have to wear a uniform or don't, or whether it's because, you know, your parents have to show up for certain things or not, or whether it's just because there are fewer kids in the classroom and your pencils are sharper and your books are newer, whatever it is that they're telling you about feeling more important, it has value. I think that is, is a major point with charter schools. Again, it's that additional attention that you get, smaller classrooms, um, access to higher standard, higher level materials, and again, the public schools, which is unfortunate, and they may be more nimble. They struggle. They may be more nimble. They may be able to say to a kid in first grade, "We have more tiers in math, so that you can move up or down if you need to, if you're mm-hmm. struggling faster." You don't have to wait till next year to move into a different math group. We can do it tomorrow. They're more nimble. Which is why, again, we have the problem, the quandary there. So with the majority of kids not being in charter school, that's why it's so important to do more research to figure out how to make, at the very least, the public schools um, have a better outcome. environment. Well, outcome. And better, 21% and percent of black kids graduating after third grade on their school level is, is unacceptable, black or white or yellow, or it doesn't sure. matter. It's sure. ridiculous. Sure. These outcomes are just not acceptable outcomes. And hence the problem. So getting teachers to teach in the, in the public school system. I can tell you something that happens here. They call it cherry picking. You have new teachers that come out. And they will teach in the Bridgeport school system for like two years. I think that's the requirement. And because they've got the requirements in, then they go to suburban schools. Yeah. You know, make more money. Well, it's not so even just so money. Forth. It's a little bit money, but it's also they they perceive that they may have a different quality job. There's no question about that. So, you know, going to the suburbs, there's a different level of things they have to deal with. It's a different environment altogether. Now, there's our teachers that are quite comfortable being in that more diverse environment, and a lot of them thrive, but they've all gotten down to, like, they have to spend their money for so many simple things, you know, for paper and for pencils, all those things you're talking about. So I get the charter schools, if you're going to take care of the charter schools, the very least you can make sure, excuse me, that there are the proper school supplies and the proper books for general population, but that somehow runs into a problem, which creates the whole... But wouldn't you, if you're a parent, it's always the macro and the micro, mm-hmm. but if you see, and if you're a, um, a parent of circumstances that can't afford a private school, and you see that your local public school has dismal outcomes, wouldn't you want your kid in, private sc- in a charter school, all things being equal? Of course you would. No question about it. But then what do you do with the rest of the kids? Because there will never be enough charter schools. Let's go to, to take the care of a well, entire school system. Then the answer is you take some of those practices and you put them back in public schools if you can. There you go. If you can, but if you have unions fighting, they have their own entrenched practices and they're not as nimble. And the administrations are not as nimble, not just the unions. Let's go. We'll go to Ralph first from Bridgeport. Ralph, what do you think about this? 
Oh, hi. Um, and Wayne, thank you so much for always bringing so much. And thank you, Lisa, for bringing Wayne on the show, for always enlightening us with uh, very important topics. Um, one factor I want to make is I have friends that are teachers, and a big factor in the charter schools is you have to uh, get into a lottery to get in them. Mm-hmm. And if you misbehave, they give you, I think, a couple of chances. Yeah, yes. then you're out. If you misbehave, yes, one too many times. And that's the number one. One that I think the biggest problem that teachers have today is a lot of these kids are not being disciplined at home. When we were younger, I'm 62, and you guys could identify with it, too. All oh, the yeah. teacher had to say was, I'm going to call your mother. That was it. Or the principal's <laughs> office. The principal's <laughs> office was like terror in my heartbeat. What do you mean the principal's office? That's yes. right. And so that's a big factor. Um, I'll let other people get calls. And then also, Wayne, if you, if you got a moment, I'll let you go. Explain the difference between a charter school and a magnet school. Thank you, guys, and have a blessed day. And I'll oh, see yeah. you Sunday. I'll so see good. you Sunday. Okay, great. Ralph, I'll get to okay. meet you in person. I can't wait. Looking forward yeah. to it, Ralph. God, um, God bless. God bless. All right, so, Wayne, magnet versus charter. Okay. Um, man, that's a, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. And you know what? I don't like to give specifics of the charter versus the magnet because there's some overlap. There might be some there. overlap. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so like Central High School, for example, is a magnet school within Central High School in Bridgeport. So they've got a regular school. Oh, really? There's a magnet school, which basically gets a specific amount of attention. Different class, excuse me, different classes within the same school. Interesting. And they have a lottery system. And those that get to go to the magnet school, it's like having a charter school inside of a school. So I would just say generally there must be some overlap legally. But my thinking was that charter schools in general are more generalized schools. And in general, magnet schools are magnets for a particular purpose. Marine biology, science and arts, whatever it is, whatever it is that they sort of specialize in. Whereas generally speaking, charter schools may not have no purpose at all. They're just schools. They're just smaller schools. All right, let's go to one more call before we have to run. Bob from Trumbull. Hey, Bob, what's your, what are your thoughts on this? Ah, Lisa, my question is for the charter schools where the black kids do so much better, has anybody looked? Do they have a two-parent household so the parents actually care what's going on? Uh, it's a good question about data, about parenting, and about parental involvement. I don't know. It's certainly not mentioned in the New York Post article. I'd have to do a deeper dive. Wayne, you have any thoughts on this? Yes. Um, the I understand what the dynamic is. A parent that cares doesn't have to be a two-family situation. Is it beneficial? A two-parent family. Sure. Excuse me, a two-parent yeah. situation. I mean, even in our uh, you know larger white communities that are more affluent Two parents is always better. Mm -hmm. Um, People who get their kids into the charter schools do have a tendency to be more involved in the schools. They do go to the uh, parent meetings and so on and so forth. Well, it's the self-selecting group. It's the parent who is actively trying to get their kid in the charter schools. Absolutely. And so they have a more interactive um, situation with the school and the system and so on. And it is a lottery. So It is a lottery. Yes, it is. It's a lottery. In the the charter schools? Oh, yeah. yeah. You just can't, like, pull in a whole bunch of... I didn't know that. Yes, because in the end, everybody wants their kids to go to a charter school. Well, why is that? Because, yeah, additional resources and because the data shows a better outcome. So that's why I'm saying on the micro, on the macro, we can talk about public schools in general, 
But on the micro, when it's your kid, it's your starfish, right, on the beach, you want your starfish to get the best possible education. And that's how we wind up having the idea of, well, how do we take what's going on in charter schools the best practices. and put it in. Now, there are definitely social challenges, which he alluded to, that are going on in the general school population. Um, if you act up in those schools, they kick you out, and guess where you have to go? Public school. Public school. So they're getting everybody, and basically they're getting the, quote, the cream of the crop more mm-hmm. so over here from parental activity and the students and, and so on. And that keeps people more in line and because of consequences. Yes. So the question is, what consequences can a public school do to keep the people in line that are reasonable and accommodating? Not, not, so yeah. not so easy. Not so easy to figure this out. Yeah. But we're going to keep at it anyway. Don't forget your podcast. Oh, my podcast, yes. <laughs> Wherever you listen to a podcast, listen to mine, please, and share it with others. And uh, Wayne, I will see you on Sunday. Outstanding. One, and two, three. download the show tonight. You bet. It's on an app and everything. You'll love it. In your car, in your phone, you'll love it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.